This is Democracy on the Move. Democracy on the Move is a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it toward its true principles of democracy. This episode is being released on Sunday, April 24, 2022. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us. In this short podcast, I'll talk about something that's been in the news lately, Florida's attempts to control political dissent. But first, let me ask you a question. Should corporations have the same rights as people? Should money spent in elections equal free speech and drown out the political voices of people who don't have lots of money? Well, the Supreme Court apparently thinks so, but the overwhelming majority of people don't. Join Greg Coleridge, the national co-director of Move to Amend. Move to Amend is a coalition organizing to pass a constitutional amendment to end corporate rule and the corrupting influence of big money in elections. Find out how to become part of this movement to create a real democracy, not just for we the people, but all the people. You can find Move to Amend online at movetoamend.org. A couple weeks ago, I talked about the importance of civil discourse in our society. I started out by saying that when hatred and politics combine forces, you get violence on a mass scale. You get war. Well, one way to avert war is to just get everyone to agree, by force if necessary, Because if everyone agrees on everything, uncivil discourse can be avoided as well as the resulting violence. But the key word here is force. History has shown that people can be coerced into conformance. It's just a matter of how much pain they're willing to tolerate before surrendering. This past week, I've seen this whole thing play out in the state of Florida. Governor DeSantis, in an effort to eliminate disagreement, punished Disney for daring to speak out in opposition to recent laws passed in the state of Florida. The Parental Rights and Education Bill, more informally called the Don't Say Gay Law, was criticized by the folks at Disney, which inadvertently put them on a crash course with the existing political structure. Apparently, it really pissed off Governor DeSantis. In true autocratic form, DeSantis rounded up the legislature, consisting of people mostly in his own party, and held a special session for the purpose of eliminating the Reedy Creek Improvement District that has, since the 1960s, granted Disney privileges, including a sort of sovereignty over its own governmental structure. So, take that, Disney. It was a counterattack because Disney dared to criticize Florida's government, headed by DeSantis. Now, it's ironic that Disney has been a major contributor to DeSantis's political campaigns for both Florida's 6th Congressional District as well as the governor's mansion in 2018. My, how quickly some friendships dissolve when someone dares to criticize. It's as if Disney, as a corporation, doesn't have First Amendment rights. Which is really bizarre because the infamous Citizens United decision in 2010 gives First Amendment rights to corporations. When corporations donate money to political campaigns, as Disney did for DeSantis, they do so under the umbrella of First Amendment rights. Apparently, in DeSantis's view, rights can be discarded to suit his immediate needs. And I find this concept to be extremely important. In general, autocrats are allowed to ignore the law when it suits them, 
the law applies to everyone else, but not to the autocrat. Now, if you've been following this podcast for any time, you'll know that I've had the same observation about Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, who uses Missouri's Sunshine Law to force local schools to provide information about their dealings and operations, but ignores the Sunshine Law when it requests him to provide information about the dealings and operations of the Attorney General's office. A prominent attribute of autocrats is that they are vindictive. Their definition of civil discourse means that nobody criticizes them. In the extreme, they silence their political enemies by using any means at their disposal. This can mean anything from levying extra taxes, undermining their businesses, or, in the case of Texas Governor Greg Abbott, they force the supply line to slow to a trickle, doing billions of dollars worth of damage to local businesses in an attempt to coerce them into conformance and make a political point. We saw this play out in 2014 when then-New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and his staff closed down lanes on the George Washington Bridge, causing massive traffic jams and putting emergency vehicles at risk, all in an apparent act of retribution against Fort Lee's Mayor Mark Sokolik, a Democrat who had not supported Christie as a candidate in the 2013 New Jersey gubernatorial election. Anyways, back to Florida. The root of the disagreement between DeSantis and Disney is a legitimate debate over what materials should and should not be used in the education of our children. Now, I say it's a legitimate debate because, well, it's always been a legitimate debate. Throughout history, we've debated on how to best teach our children to be good, productive members of our society. But this debate has taken on national proportions, affecting school districts across the nation and has been highly politicized lately, with an extreme right and an extreme left playing tug-of-war with our children in the middle. Now, allow me to drill down on this issue for a bit, and what I'll propose is that the debate is not only legitimate, but the democracy we already have in place is perfectly capable of solving it on its own if only our political leaders would just back off and let it run its course. But politicians won't leave it alone because those with autocratic tendencies use it as fuel to burn down our democracy. So here are the two main issues. One, do parents truly have rights when it comes to the subject matter and methods of teaching used to educate their children? And two, are children being indoctrinated into political views that are counterproductive to a well-functioning society? Now, to address the first point, I'd have to say yes, parents do have rights. Public schools are under control of school boards that consist of elected members of the community. You can't get any more democratic than that. If you personally do not like what's happening in your school, bring it to a board member. You can either bring it up directly during board meetings or lobby each member separately. I mean, these board members are your neighbors and their kids go to the same school as your kids. It shouldn't be too difficult to reach out. And if you feel you still can't get your point across, then vote out the board members you don't like. Hell, put together your own campaign and run for the board yourself. This is how democracy works. To the second point regarding indoctrination, I actually did a bit of research about this topic and have come to agree that there are some materials that I personally find objectionable. As an example, one of the math books that Florida objected to seemed to put too much emphasis on feelings. Now, having been through some high-level calculus courses in college myself, I know that math is not about feelings. Ironically, in my view, Governor DeSantis himself probably put it best when he said, quote, Math is about getting the right answer. It's not about how you feel about the problem. Additionally, in some of the math books, there were numerous examples of diversity-related principles. 
Now, I personally found it insulting to imply that some people will have more difficulty with math because of their skin color or their gender or their sexual identity. Listen, kids don't need to be hit over the head with this stuff. They won't begin asking questions about diversity until that idea to question it is planted in their heads. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all in on a vision of the world where everyone, regardless of skin color, age, gender, sexual identity, etc., are treated with equality. But I also understand that we don't live in such a world, and I'm not blind to that fact. So we certainly do need to teach ethics and history and social studies in our schools. These are the subjects where concepts such as racial tensions, class warfare, historical inequity, and the importance of feelings can and should be discussed. Generally, I would wait until the kids are in junior high school to begin discussions about these topics. Now keep in mind that this is only my opinion, and other people obviously have their own opinions. So how do we resolve these differences? How can we decide what subjects are taught to our children and how they're taught? The answer, as I alluded to before, is your local school board. They take into consideration everyone's opinions and then render decisions that they believe are in the best interest of our students. And if they don't get it right, guess what? It's a democracy. Parents can lobby and even replace board members with others that will more closely align with their opinion. This is how it works in a democracy. This is how we roll. Nobody gets everything they want, but everybody always gets something. So this takes me back to Florida, where the state legislature is effectively shutting down this democratic process and replacing it with an autocratic-driven panel of politicians. These politicians fly the banner of parental control, but in reality, they're doing just the opposite. They're consolidating power under a small group of legislators and the governor, and they're removing parental control. They are crushing debate. They are crushing it by force. And like a true autocracy, they punish dissent. This is a truly scary development. This is not democracy in action. This is democracy and demise. Those parents out there agreeing with DeSantis, I urge you to step back and take a look at the bigger picture. Florida is yet another example in a growing list of examples where our elected politicians are grabbing power, consolidating it, and most alarmingly, punishing dissent. If you feel good about DeSantis's victory today, I guarantee tomorrow the winds will change, and if you don't have the institutions of democracy behind you, these winds will blow you away, and you will ultimately lose your freedoms. I hope I'm wrong, but I fear I'm not. That's it for this week. Join us next week where we will talk with Dr. Annie Andrews, a pediatrician who is running for the U.S. House of Representatives representing South Carolina's 1st Congressional District. She is a gun violence prevention researcher and community advocate working to reduce the frequency of pediatric firearm industries with a focus on secure storage counseling and gun safety education in the community. I'm looking forward to our talk. You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its true principles of democracy. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any questions or suggestions or if you'd like to sponsor future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org or contact us on our webpage at democracyonthemove.org contact. 
Democracy on the Move is all one word. Theme music, Murky Waters, performed by El Rey Music, used under license from Shutterstock. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead. We hope you'll tune in again next week.